You're listening to a BGE podcast. My name is Chris Peltz, and this is my story. When I was first diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa in 1984, at 10 years old, it didn't take long for a pretty quick decline in a lot of my vision. In fact, over the next six years, up through 1990, I lost 80% of my vision. And while it wasn't necessarily as much in the uh, straight ahead and like the tunnel vision that I ended up with, but... The peripheral was gone. Of course, the night blindness was already gone, but the, the visual acuity, the, the visual field just kept declining and declining and declining. And I did go from, uh, you know, being, you know, at 2020 to 2200 and nothing with, you know, for correction. And, and, and it was difficult, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, that's, you know, for a, a child, a teenager you know, to, to be experiencing this, having hopes and dreams and things that, you know, plans that he wanted to do and things that he wanted to accomplish. And uh, now looking as though a lot of that would never happen, um, it, it it was hard and it wore on me. And there were there were a lot of times when no, there's no doubt I was, uh, you know, had had some depression. But I was also surrounded by a lot of friends that... Uh, not only wouldn't take no for an answer, but uh, they they wanted me involved. I mean, we we had such a bond, such great friendship, and I still talk to some of them even today. And you know, uh, from Hal Bramel and Charlie Thompson, Matt Simpson, and Dewey Ryden, and these are some of the guys that you know as I was growing up, and here they are you know, listening to uh, the troubles and the struggles that I'm going through. And, and you know, they're trying to figure it out, too. They're trying to figure out what can we do to help? How can we, you know, help? Hey, come on, let's go with us. And, you know, if you need to grab a shoulder, you need to grab an elbow, just go ahead and, and do that and we'll we'll go. And And that was extremely encouraging and helpful to me. And it really motivated me and kept me going. But it, it was hard on them because... You know, I'm trying to figure out what's happening with my vision, and I'm trying to explain it to them. And, you know, I know there were times when they were wondering if if I wasn't faking it. And and it and I get it because it was so difficult to explain because there would be good days and bad days. There would be days when I couldn't see 30 feet in front of me, and the next day I, I could see 100 yards or close to it. And then, you know, the next day I'm, I'm back down to, you know, maybe 30 yards or something. It, it just, it, it was a fluctuation of things with, with these good days and bad days. And, and it was hard for them to understand, you know, that maybe I can see it one day and not the next, but then I can see it again or vice versa. You know, they're thinking, well, either you can or you can't. You know, they wanted it to be this black and white thing. And and I get that. I understand that. But that's what made it so difficult to try and explain it to them. But uh, 
but I've got, I've got to, I mean, they hung out, they, they hung in there with me and they tried to understand, um, at least from my perspective, maybe they thought I was nuts. Maybe they thought, oh, you know, some days he was faking it and, you know, and then other days he, you know, he wasn't, but ultimately we got through it and we did it together. And I, I really don't think I could have done it without them. Not just my family that was there to help, but you know, the, the, the school in general, I grew up going to school in Newburgh, Missouri, and it was a small class. I mean, we all knew each other, you know, whether we were good friends or not, you know, our graduating class in 92 was like 34, 36 people. So, you know, this isn't, you know, a, a, an extremely large place, you know, so, uh, you know, if, if I was running into something, yeah, everybody was going to know it. And so, that that was one of those things that sometimes I didn't know how to tell them what I could or couldn't see, uh, and sometimes I didn't want to tell them what I could or couldn't see. But they're you know they're the folks again you know hey grab my shoulder grab my elbow you know let's go I'll help you out we can do this kind of attitude that really pushed me you know and and why I continued to play basketball for school, uh, continued to hunt, continued to fish. Uh, you know, and we'd get out on dirt roads and they'd say, hey, Chris, you know, jump in the driver's seat and let's go, let's drive. And, uh, and, and we had some really good times. And, you know, you think about 80% of my vision going in, in six years, it's, it's pretty fast and dramatic, but it, it wasn't necessarily all that noticeable as it was happening to me. It wasn't until I turned 16 and, was, you know, I knew I wouldn't be able to get my license, but that's really when a lot of things started to change because my friends were driving and we lived so far away from everyone. And, you know, it was, it was difficult sometimes for them because they'd have to go completely out of their way if they wanted to come pick me up. And some of them, time, some of them would, sometimes they would, and, you know, sometimes they couldn't, and I get that, but that, you know, was a difficult time being kind of stuck out in the middle of, uh, of the country. And, and not only that, a lot of things changed at that time. We moved off the big farm deeper down into the woods, uh, to 40 acres, uh, that, um, was kind of in the middle of that big 2,500 acre farm and, you know, five miles from the nearest paved road. And so it's, you know, even deeper away from everything, and a little bit more isolating uh, for me at times. And there would be times, you know, I, I got a job working at the local uh, campground and canoe rental, and I would walk. You know, I would walk from my house to Jerome to the campground and canoe rental, you know, which was a good five miles. You know, get up in the morning and walk and go to work, and I was mowing and weed eating. I was cleaning a pool and um, you know, watching the, the storefront and then, you know, helping RVs to know where they were supposed to park and, and you know, setting up uh, the campground and getting that ready and then getting the canoes ready for the canoers. So, I mean, I stayed busy, and I think that was helpful too, you know, uh, you know not just being able to stay in a house or in my room and just – not do anything and just think about all the bad things and things I couldn't do. I, I really didn't have that opportunity. My parents didn't let me do that, first of all, and which was great. And my friends, you know, they 
wanted me to be involved as much as I wanted to be involved in things, which was awesome because, uh, you know, that really pushed me and motivated me and helped me to find out that there are ways to get things done, uh, even if it's unconventional, even if, you know, some big tech company hasn't come up with, you know, the accessibility options to accomplish things for the blind and visually impaired, you know, someone who's blind or visually impaired can find a way to get it. We've been doing it all this time anyway, long before the iPhones and, you know, uh, personal computers in every home, you know, long before that was ever a thing, uh, you know, we were getting it, we were getting it done. And it was really a, a matter of who we surrounded ourselves with and their attitudes uh, as well. And I hear a lot about folks who, you know, whose parents would either just send them to a state blind school or would, um, you know, keep them at home and uh, coddle them and baby them and and treat them like they couldn't do anything because that's what they believe. They believe that they wouldn't be able to do anything. And that's unfortunate because... Um, you know, when, when they have the chance, when they have the opportunity, you know, the mind is a powerful thing and, and it, it can work and people can do things that others might never thought of was, was imaginable or possible. But sometimes with a little bit of encouragement, you know, then, you know, great things can happen. Great things can be accomplished. And so, you know, getting through high school uh, it was definitely challenges, you know. I mean, there were there were still folks that, you know, um, laughed. You know, if I run into something, I couldn't see something, and and sometimes it hurts. Sometimes, you know, I just kind of make the joke myself, and uh, you know, kind of, you know, had a, a sense of humor, I guess, uh, about certain things uh, that was probably very helpful with it as well. And, you know, just kind of took it in stride for the most part. But there were things, for example, I was going, you know, being taught O&M training, orienta orientation and mobility training, which someone would come and pick me up at school and we would, he would drive me to Rolla, to the UMR campus, University of Missouri Rolla campus, and he was training me how to use a cane. And I didn't want to use a cane. I, I, I was embarrassed to use a cane. I was, I was ashamed. I, I didn't want people to look at me, and, and I felt like it was so obvious. I felt as though I could cover up so much and, and hide so much of uh, my vision loss and, and kind of fake my way through a lot of things that I, I wouldn't really need the cane. And, and so I would get back from that training. I would shove the cane in my locker, and then I would go on. And, you know, there was a lot of friends. Hey, go, use your cane. Get your cane out. It's fine. You know, nobody's going to say anything to you. And, um, you know, there was a few that you know, made the point. If, if they did, they would take care of that, and, and they wouldn't say anything anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, a small school, um, I, I still wouldn't do it. You know, they they assured me, you know, as far as that was concerned. But to me, it was it was almost like I was giving up. 
and, and which was really the you know something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to give up and give in to the idea that I was going to have to be different. I was going to have to be the one that people would notice just because I was holding something. Um, and I wanted to avoid that. And that went on. I, I, you know, that went on past high school um, it, it, to my own detriment, really. I mean, that caused more problems down the road before I was really willing to accept the fact that I needed that kind of help. I needed that assistance. I needed to use that cane. And even getting out of high school and, and uh, you know, going to college and, you know, I'll skip a few years here. I went to Springfield, Missouri, to what was Southwest Missouri State University, now just Missouri State University. And just going across campus was a chore. It, it was difficult. And I needed to use a cane. But I was so stubborn at the time. And I didn't like the way people would look at me. And, and they were. There, there were people who were looking at me, not necessarily giving dirty or nasty looks or anything, but it got people's attention. And I actually would ride a bike to campus. I, I would live with my grandpa, or at one time I had moved in with my brother and another friend, and I would ride a bike to campus. And I would lock the bike up and you know, I would have trouble getting to where I needed to go to class and, and I'd have to get a cane out to go to class. And, and as silly as that sounds and crazy as it sounds, that's that's what I was doing. And even dating a young lady on campus one time who we were going to walk across campus and I had gotten my cane out and she she didn't want me to use the cane. You know, she was embarrassed by me using the cane. And that, that set me back a little bit. And it was difficult uh, because she didn't want people looking at us or, you know, or maybe just her, you know, with me, if, you know, having a cane. And so, um, you know, that, that didn't last long. That relationship didn't last long because um, I, I realized, you know, that this is, this is who I am. This is what I need. This is for not only my safety, but um, to let folks know that you know, I'm in need of this cane for mobility to get around. And more often than not, folks were very receptive rather than oppressive, right? They, they looked at that and understood, and, and uh, I made a lot of friends. And some of them I ran into, literally, and we became friends. And, uh, you know, it, it, it happened and it worked out great. But it all started because I had folks surrounding me who wanted me to succeed, wanted me to do things that I wanted to do and, and to accomplish things, to be successful uh, and were willing to help me figure out ways to get it done. And, and I'll be ever grateful uh, to those guys for that and their willingness to you know, be with me as I went through all of this. You know, blindness doesn't just affect the person who's going through it. It affects everyone, their families and their friends. And I've never really talked to them about how it affects them, but I know it does. And I'm just 
very thankful and grateful that I had the types of friends that were willing to just stick with me through these uh, the, some of the the most difficult times um, as a you know as a younger person trying to find my way and and find a way to get things done. And so, with that said, I I really hope folks will think about not only how you look at others who may be a little different, how you look at others who maybe have a uh, you know a a disability or maybe have to use a cane. You know, in James chapter two, in the first few verses, there was a couple of guys that came into church, and one was dressed and extremely nice clothes and they said oh come sit over here and give them the best seat there was another guy came in kind of raggedy poor looking and they just simply said go sit over there or come be our footstool sometimes those with disabilities those who are blind or visually impaired kind of feel that like that's the treatment we get because people don't want to be around us they're afraid to ask questions uh, or they just assume that we either can't do something or don't know how to do something or, uh, you know, they just look at us as just not on their level and tell us to go over there. But I'm thankful God's no respecter of persons when it comes to that. And God wants me to be successful just as he wants you to be successful. And he's equipped me with anything and everything that I need to be successful in this life. But most importantly, in life to come. And so even when you don't have the friends around you that seem like they're supporting you, you can trust in the Lord because He is on your side and He wants you to succeed.